episode 107, Four Keys to Reimagining Happiness. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful, but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live Life Amplified. There was a pretty sobering, if not terribly unsurprising study that came out last week. I don't know if you saw the headlines on this, but the University of Chicago has their COVID response tracking study where they surveyed over 2,300 Americans. And what they have found is that only 14% of American adults say that they are very happy. Furthermore, the number of people who say that they feel lonely or isolated has more than doubled from 23% in 2018 to now 50%. Probably not too surprising given the fact that we are several months into lockdowns and shelter in place and all the things that have been a product of the pandemic. However, I just want to give you a little bit more perspective uh, because there might be some of you thinking, well, yeah, Dan, but we also have social issues and so many other news headlines happening. This survey was conducted in May before the murder of George Floyd and the subsequent Black Lives Matter protests. So what we're looking at is really a snapshot of the American psyche just immediately in the time around the pandemic and the shutdown. Also, let's look at this from 30,000 feet up from a broader historical perspective because the University of Chicago has been tracking this happiness data dating back 50 or 60 years. And if you compare where we are at right now to other challenges that we faced, the assassination of John F. Kennedy, 9-11, what you see is that at no point since they've been doing this study, has that happiness number ever dipped below 29%? That was the previous low watermark, and here we are right now at 14%. So this is unprecedented and in just the amount of unhappiness that people are feeling. Now the question is, is how are we coping with it? I saw some other data that came out from the crisis text line recently. They're saying suicidal ideation is being mentioned almost a third less So that's encouraging signs. But some of the other studies that are out there saying people are reporting that they are angrier in losing their temper at friends and family, and there is an increased desire to get drunk. So it's not so much just a hopelessness and giving up response that we're seeing collectively as much as it is the anxiety and the fight or flight and living in uncertainty. Which makes sense biologically. You know, we've discussed in this podcast before, the human brain and the nervous system was not designed to make you happy. We are more motivated to be safe than we are to be happy, which is why so many people will give up and throw away their dreams to live in their comfort zone. And here we are right now where our comfort zone has been challenged in a huge way. We are out of our normal routines. And in many cases, many of the coping mechanisms that we would have used for stress, whether it be going out to bars, whether it's, you know, the 2 a.m. text, uh, hooking up with an ex, whether it's going to movies, watching sports, all those things are taken off the table right now, uh, which only further perpetuates the anxiety. 
Now, I imagine you could be listening right now going, well, Dan, look, this is all unprecedented. Eventually, this virus is going to pass. We'll get back to normal and those numbers will increase. And I agree. Human beings are incredibly resilient. I think it's our best trait. It's what's helped us survive ice ages and pandemics and all sorts of challenges historically. But look at the number from 2018. You know, this was at a time when we were having record stock market highs. The GDP was on fire. According to the same study just two years ago, only 31% of people claimed that they were very happy. So there's still a disconnect. Even in 2018, we were only two points above what was the all-time low after 9-11 and after the assassination of an American president. So rather than sticking our head in the sand and just saying, well, look, I'm just waiting for everything to go back to normal, the question I would challenge you to consider today is, is were you truly, truly emotionally, spiritually, physically lit up before coronavirus? Or were you just going through the motions? In the article that I read about this University of Chicago study in Time magazine, uh, there was a quote from a gentleman in Austin, Texas, who was laid off from his job. He worked in digital marketing for a major law firm. He said, 2020 just fast forwarded a spiritual decay. When things are good, you don't tend to look inwards, he said, adding that he was living and working in the Miami area before the pandemic hit. As Florida dealt with the virus, his girlfriend left him and he decided to leave for Austin. He says, I probably just wasn't a nice guy to be around from all the stress and anxiety, but this pandemic forced an existential crisis. So I think that there are many people who can relate to that right now. I think that this is that this whole experience of shelter in place is just put the massive bat light on the things that weren't working before and the places where maybe we were looking externally to fill the void through chasing more money, chasing the next promotion, chasing the next relationship, but there's still an emptiness inside. And when I talk about an amplified life, there's a lot of people who associate that because of how I've marketed myself up until now thinking, oh yeah, just get a better job. Find a job that you love. And work is important. We're going to talk about that today. However, you need the inner connection to yourself. You need relationships. You need a connection to something bigger than you. So today, what I wanted to do was just give you a quick roadmap for foundations to help you rediscover, reimagine your happiness right now. Not being a person who says, well, I'm just waiting till the jobs come back, Dan, or I'm waiting until the coronavirus is over, or after the election, it's all going to get better. Remember, life is what's happening in the present moment. And there are so many people who are either stuck living in the past and replaying the trauma of the pain that they experienced earlier in their life, or they're living ahead on the horizon pushing happiness off until they get that next external carrot that they think is going to help them cross the finish line. But the past is an illusion. It doesn't exist anymore except in your mind. And the future does not exist. The only place you have the power or the resources to truly create what you want is right now in the present moment. So here are four boxes that I would love for you to check off and start to imagine what is my happiness portfolio? How am I ranking in each of these areas? Maybe there's some places where you're doing really well, but some other places that you've neglected, but there's always a chance to course correct. 
Now, I'm going to be touching on this very briefly in the podcast today. If you would like to do a deeper dive on this, be sure to go to my website, join my mailing list, creativesoulcoaching.net. I'm going to be doing some video training in the coming weeks and also offering some more live training events where we can really spend some time and dig deep to help you get under the hood of the car and see not just what areas aren't working, but why they're not working. But for today, here are the areas that I think are so important to focus on, and we can basically just boil this down to four Ps right? The first one being people. Where are you at right now with your family and your friendships? And there's no magic formula to shape any of this. For some people, you have friendships that are family to you. Sometimes our family of origin isn't always the safest place for us to feel connected or feel accepted or loved. But relationships become everything. And there was a 75-year study where Harvard followed their graduates between 1939 to 1944. They tracked these people into their 90s and looked at all aspects of their health and well-being. And the person who was the lead on this report summarized his findings this way. He said, quote, happiness is love, full stop. People who have loving relationships with family and friends thrive. Those who don't, don't. What's been interesting to me, both in my private coaching practice and also observing what's happening just out in the world, is how much this pandemic and people being back under the roof together all the time without staying late in the office or being able to go out for other activities is just created giant craters in relationships. And in some instances, is really brought to light the fact that the relationship isn't working and that people want to break up. We've seen this over in Hollywood. Kelly Clarkson just ended her marriage. Rachel Hollis, you know, who was doing life and business with her husband. A few months into quarantine, they announced that they're splitting up. In both my one-on-one and my group coaching programs, relationships have been getting a lot of conversation. We've had to go in and reset the table and really figure out How is it that we create that deeper level of love, connection, and intimacy, both in romantic and just personal relationships? We could get into an entire podcast on this, and in my group coaching programs, you know, I've been spending more and more time doing modules just on relationships, but if I had to boil it down to one principle, I think of the work of Dr. Sue Johnson, who's a clinical psychologist in Ottawa, and she wrote an amazing book called Hold Me Tight that you can check out. But she has a quote where she says, the most important thing we've learned, the thing that totally stands out in all the developmental psychology, social psychology, and our lab's work in the last 35 years is that the secret to loving relationships and to keeping them strong and vibrant over the years to falling in love again and again is emotional responsiveness. If you think about what the, you know, one trillion dollar question is in love and really all relationships is, can I trust that you will be there for me? Can I show you all of me, both the things about me that are awesome and the parts that I'm not really proud of? And will you still be there and love me. And really, you know, when you look at Dr. Sue Johnson's work, she talks about the three components of a relationship. Uh, She refers to it as ARE. You need attentiveness, responsiveness, and engagement. 
And if you really think, if you're in a relationship right now, whether it be friendship or whether it's a romantic love, if there is a fractured relationship in your life, that's the best place to start. Because it's easy to do maybe one or two of them, but getting to all three is next level. There are people who are attentive, but they not might not be responsive, right? There are people who listen to you, like if you're making a request of a partner, will you take out the trash, but then they never do it. Do you feel safe? Do you feel heard? Of course not. If somebody is responsive to you in conversation, but they're not engaged, somebody's talking to you while their face is buried in their phone, checking Facebook, do you feel seen, heard, or loved? Of course not. So attentiveness, responsiveness, and engagement is really the crux of building a deeper emotional foundation. Last night, I was just doing a module with my eight-week accelerator group coaching program. We did a deep dive into how do you really cultivate those three components in a relationship, and also, how do you even speak up in a way to get your needs met? If you think about it, you know, so much of the distress that we experience in relationships is also related to our childhood attachments. We've talked about attachment patterns here on the podcast. You have the anxious attachment people who oftentimes are so eager to get the love and acceptance of another that they collapse on themselves, that they give up who they are in order to please somebody else. And then you have the other people who were avoidance, who never got their needs met as a child. Therefore, they just don't realize they even need people. So they kind of keep everyone at arm's length and isolate. And for them, the idea of a relationship can just be a trigger and a threat. So that's why I do so much work around attachment in my coaching programs, because it really does. It helps you in all your relationships. You're going to bring your attachment style, not just into romantic relationships, not just into family, but it's going to show up in your business with clients or colleagues. Uh, It shows up in how you get your needs met at work and at home. So we really want to start to assess where am I at? Do I have safe relationships in my life? And if not, where is the broken chain link and that attentive responsiveness and engaged chain? And do I have some attachment issues that I really need to work through for me to even feel safe to be in connection. So the first P when we look at these four elements of reimagining happiness is about people. The second one, a word you've heard me talk about so much on the podcast, we're going to go back and revisit it because if you're not happy, you might be disconnected from it. And that is purpose. And one of my teachers, uh, Mastin Kip, has talked about this continuum of purpose. It's not just enough to know what your purpose is. I mean, if you think about it, there are people out there who, A, don't believe that they have a purpose, or there are people who do believe that they have a purpose, but they don't know what it is. But sometimes the most frustrating thing can be when you know your purpose and you haven't been able to live it or monetize it and turn it into a sustainable career. I've been able to work with people on all aspects of that spectrum over the course of my coaching career, and I've been able to help everybody get to that next level of not just understanding and knowing their purpose, but actually thriving in it. And one of the biggest barriers when it comes to finding a purposeful career for people is a lot of people think about, well, I just want to love my work. I want to be able to do work that is fun. I want to do work that makes me happy, Dan. But the thing is, a lot of times when we're focused on just being happy at work, 
we're A, we're focused on ourselves. Am I getting my needs met? Am I getting praise? Am I getting the promotion? Am I climbing the corporate ladder so that I can impress my friends and family on Facebook? And if you're only focusing on having fun and happiness at work, it kind of keeps you just focused on the thing directly in front of you. There's no long game. As we start talking about a purposeful career, yes, it's about being connected to your gifts, but also connected to something bigger than you. That in some way, your work is serving other people and adding value to the world in a way that lights you up. There's a big difference between doing work that just adds value to shareholders in corporate America and helps some bean counters in a corporate tower make a few more bucks at the end of the day versus work that is personally meaningful to you, that is an expression of your highest self. And because purpose is not just an external job title, You know, it's not just about becoming a philanthropist per se, no more than it is about me becoming a coach or you becoming a dog trainer. It's not about the external title. Purpose is generated from within. It's essentially a set of emotional states that you create within yourself each day and then you give those emotions to the world through your service. Once you're connected to your purpose, It's not just about career. You notice all other aspects of your life improve. One of my clients that I've only been working with for about five weeks, she signed up for one-on-one coaching and is also doing the eight-week accelerator group coaching program that I offer. And it's been remarkable where when she came to me a little over a month ago, she was completely disconnected from who she was. And she said, I don't even remember who I was before I became a mother. I think a lot of parents can really relate to that. We can fall into the trap of thinking that our family or our children are our purpose. But that also just sort of over time with that attitude creates a sense of emotional bankruptcy. You're expending a lot of energy taking care of others, but in that you lose who you are. And there's a lack of energy for yourself and the things that are personally important to you. In five weeks since we started working together, A, she got totally clear on her purpose. We created a purpose statement for her life. And here's what's interesting. She told me when she came to me, she was already in her dream job, that she just wanted to find some balance in her personal life and be able to reconnect internally. But since she is connected to this newfound sense of purpose, she's also gotten clear on a profitable side hustle that she wants to create that allows her to serve other mothers. And because she is so lit up and connected to who she is right now, not only did she text me to say she's going to talk to her doctor about weaning herself off of antidepressants. She's also mentioned that her marriage is radically transformed in five weeks because when you know your purpose and you're bringing that lit up version of yourself at home with a partner, things are going to improve so much. So I really like to expand that conversation of purpose to look at that holistically. You got to be bringing your purpose in to every area of your life and not just your work. We're not really taught how to do it. Nobody's ever given us a roadmap, but it is one of the things that I love to help my clients through. Two questions that you can start right now just to get clear on. I'll give you three questions as a matter of fact. A... How would the highest and best version of myself like to feel every day? 
there's 12,000 emotions that are available. Now, some of them are like really uplifting emotions and some of them are unpleasant emotions that you don't want to feel at all. But if you had to narrow down to two top emotions that you wanted to feel every day, what would those be? Also, what would the highest and best version of yourself like to give to the world? Consider that question for a moment. Here's one more question. What would the highest and best version of myself have to do more of to bring that to life? And what would I need to do less of? Like I said, those are some questions that are a great starting point for you to do the work. And if it's something where you want to go deeper and really create that blueprint, you know, find yourself a qualified coach, mentor, or join one of my coaching programs. But it can really help you accelerate your clarity and accelerate the process. Two more P's that will help you reimagine happiness. Play. When is the last time you allowed yourself just to have a little fun and do the things that light you up? And, and this answer is different for everybody. In the private Facebook group that I have for my eight-week accelerator program, uh, one of the women shared that for her, she took a whole day and just went out in nature and put on her headphones and listened to music. And for her, that was really grounding. It helped her connect to herself being out in that environment. For other people, cre uh, play is more a sense of creativity. It might be artwork. It might be crafting. It might be writing learning a musical instrument, or just actually getting in there and practicing the musical instrument that you used to know, but you haven't picked up in years. And when we talk, you know, when we've had discussions in the past about what are the real barriers that keep people from living their purpose, it's all rooted in the emotional trauma. In some people in the self-help world, they would say, oh, it's your limiting beliefs. But what creates the limiting belief? It's those big T and little t traumas that you experienced in your developmental years. Your attachment to your childhood caregivers is certainly one, but there's all sorts of emotional trauma uh, that can, you know, be as big as abuse at home, or it can just be going through middle school, grade school, being bullied, you know, being uh, having your heart broken, those smaller traumas that eventually start to filter and color the way that you view the world. Why is play so important? Well, number one, a sense of play inhibits those automatic survival responses. What are the things that we do to disassociate? Well, we isolate. Sometimes we don't ask for or allow ourselves to receive help. We can fall into addictive patterns. We can fall into codependent patterns where we put everybody else's needs before our own. When we're in that sense of play, all of those are kick to the curb. We just gently push those to the side. We're able to connect with ourselves and have fun. Also, when you are in a sense of play, you're building reciprocity in your relationships. There's usually somebody else engaged that you can connect with. You know, for some people, uh, they also find this connecting with nature. They find it connecting with animals. But there is a sense of reciprocity that gets built. It also builds safety when we're in a state of play. And Optimally, when you are in a state of play, you're able to listen to and become aware of other people. So being able to create play, being in safe connection, it's one of the fastest ways to lift your mood, especially if you're in that 50% of people who have experienced isolation and disconnection in 2020. And that brings us to the fourth and final P that will help you reimagine your happiness in 2020, and that is philosophy. 
No, you don't have to go read a bunch of ancient text from Plato or anybody by that. Really, when I'm talking about philosophy, it's about what you're making things mean in any moment. When you are facing a challenge, the most important question you can ask yourself is what I'm making this mean. And that really, that question will control the decisions of your life. You can see in the age of COVID-19 that people have very different meanings to shelter in place and to wear masks. There are people that look at it as they are being attacked, that their liberties are being taken away. And there are other people who happily wear that mask, even if they don't believe that they have the virus, because they know that they're protecting the immunocompromised or the elderly or some of the least among us in our community. And that philosophy that they have is just based on what they're making all of this mean. And whenever you ask this question, and this is not, you know, this is a life strategy. This is not just something to help you get through the current pandemic. This can happen during a job layoff. This can happen during a breakup. This can happen when you get a piece of bad news that you weren't expecting. When you're able to check in with yourself and say, what am I making this mean? You're really inquiring to the subconscious part of you. Because that is the point when you find yourself emotionally activated, your subconscious mind is already assigned a meaning to the event before your prefrontal cortex is even invited to the party. So it really starts to help you tap in to that deeper part of yourself. But the meaning that you assign to the events in your life influences so many factors. It's going to influence your psychology, your stress levels, your biochemistry. The meaning that you assign to things will influence your levels of success, your financial abundance, your ability to show up and serve people and live your purpose. And at the end of the day, when we're talking about meaning, it's the thing that is going to determine your destiny. So during any time of challenge, and this is something I face repeatedly in my life, you know my story and where I was in 2012, overweight, depressed, getting divorced. I had to decide in that moment, is this the end for me or is this actually a new beginning waiting to be written? When I was struggling in that first year and a half to build a coaching business long before I started this podcast, I had to decide is this proof that nothing works out for me and the only path of income is to do what is expected? Or is this a challenge forcing a new part of me to emerge and to grow to create my next level? And I don't know where the number one place is that you're stuck right now because you and I haven't had that conversation yet. I hope there is a day when we do. But that's what you have to check in with is what is the meaning that you're assigning to the challenges in front of you? And is it possible that you could find a meaning that empowers you instead of keeps you stuck? So to recap, the four P's that will help you reimagine your happiness starting today, people, you have got to have co-regulation with the safe, connections in your life. That is a biological mandate. That is how we've survived, right? That we do well in connection and in tribe with other people. You've got to know your purpose. And remember, purpose is not just about a job. It's what you're going to bring into your relationships that help you give the best version of yourself. To some degree, yes, living your purpose will help you earn an abundant paycheck, but it also lets you express the highest 
version of who you are to the world. Number three, you need a sense of play. That is the biochemical opposite of trauma. It gets us out of those old survival responses and helps us re-engage with the world and build safety. And finally, number four, your philosophy, which is also the meaning that you're assigning to the events in your life. My friend, I don't know what the future holds. Trust me, if I could tell you when all this was going to blow over and when we were going to establish some sense of normalcy again in our lives, I'd be a billionaire. I'd be hanging out with Branson right now, playing tennis over on Necker Island. We could be headed for another shutdown. There could be a second wave. We don't know when the vaccine is coming, but if that's where your focus is, you're taking away your personal power to create, to consciously create the reality that you want. And these four ingredients are the, really what are going to help you go within and help you start to create your next level. And if you need some help along the way, by the way, we all do. I didn't learn all these things I'm teaching to you just by myself. I learned it with support, and I learned it through having the support to implement during the times when I just wanted to give up and when I thought that it was just too much to take. So make sure you get that support. And if you think that you and I would be a fit together to work on that, I do have opportunities both in my group coaching programs and very limited opportunities for one-on-one -on -one private coaching right now. You can get more information and fill out a coaching application at my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. If you love the episode this week and it moves the meter for you, if you're feeling energized and inspired, would you please screenshot this podcast, upload it to Instagram, share it with your friends. Be sure to tag me at CSC Dan Mason. And if you're so inclined, it would mean the world to me if you took a minute or two out of your day to leave those five-star ratings and reviews for us up on Apple Podcast. It really just helps us with the algorithm. If you're listening on another platform, you know, just give us a follow. Make sure that you are here, that you're getting those new episodes as they come out each week. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for taking a half hour to spend with me. And it truly is the greatest privilege of my life to be able to serve you and offer you this message each and every week. In the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity. Turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. I'll talk to you next week.